Hello, Moving Your Energy Differently community. Today, I am so, so excited to be talking to Dr. Sandra Poster, who is an Emmy Award-winning writer, executive coach, corporate trainer, specializing in interpersonal communication skills and presentation skills for executives. Dr. Poster, thank you so very, very much for allowing me to come into your home and interview you about communication. And if you can just tell our, our listeners and our viewers a little bit about your background in this field and uh, uh, where you grew up and a little bit about how you started. Okay, I'll, t I'll try to condense All the, it. Yeah, that yeah, was a lot. Try, All try to make one. it a not too long a story. Um, uh, actually, I, I'm, I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland. I uh, went to University of Maryland undergrad and did a master's at U of Penn at the Annenberg School. And my original intent was really to go into television, uh, television writing and producing. Uh, at the time that I moved to New York, which was in the mid-1960s in the Mad Men era, um, women were just not being hired for anything other than secretaries. And so I was a secretary for an ad agency, which I absolutely hated. But again, if you've seen Mad Men and you know that yes. culture, that's very much what it was like. And after uh, some time, I really um, wanted to get out of that industry. It was a very not nice business to be in, and people did not treat women very well. And so I really wound up in an academic position almost just on a fluke. And I loved it so much that I stayed. But I kept my interest in television and in communication skills. I did decide to go back and get a PhD from NYU in communication and culture. So I did do that. And also about 30 years ago, um, I, someone recommended, and again, I, one of the things we'll, we'll talk about here is the importance of who you know and of networking mm. and of contacts mm. because somebody comes up with an idea for you. And Sitchi, there are a lot of business executives who need presentation skills coaching, which I had been doing for quite a long time uh, to undergraduate students, and uh, people value that. Mm -hmm. And so I began to work in both interpersonal communication skills for executives and presentation skills for executives. And along the way, lots of other things, writing for television and producing videos, often for not-for-profit organizations, but, you know, still having to work with a budget, having to work with a writer-producer, having to serve the client, and so on. And so that's really how I got into it. And uh, so I've, I've always done a, a, quite a few different things, not focusing on any one thing at a time. And, and I think that's refreshing, and I like doing that. Mm -hmm. so. mm -hmm. Has, how, many, how many years have you been an executive coach approximately about 30 about 30 years mm -hmm. why do why do executives call you it's about communication mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. why you especially now do they say we want Sandra Poster to come in what is their what's their need mm -hmm. what what's their problem 
Well, let me start with what their problem is, and then we'll talk about why me. But more important, let's start with what their okay. problem is, because I think that's the more critical issue. Um, a lot of people have gone into a, a, a career path, and they're very good at what they do. Mm -hmm. Often they majored in it in undergraduate school and maybe did a master's or whatever. And they're very, very good in their field at what they do. But what they don't know how to do is work with other people to get their objectives moving forward. And they often, either they know that or someone who supervises them knows it. And so they will call in an executive coach to work with that person on communicating their ideas and being able to foster good relation, good working relationships with other people so that the projects and products that they're worth working on come to fruition so that there is support around the project and that people buy in and want to work on the project or the product and it, that it moves forward well. Um, one of the things that I've often said to people is it doesn't so much matter what you've got in your head or in your heart if you can't get it into somebody else's head and heart. Say, say that again? It doesn't? It doesn't matter what you've got in your head right. or in your heart if you can't get it into somebody else's head or heart, and that's communication. So you could have the most brilliant idea in the world but if you can't share it with somebody, if you can't tell other people about it, it's going to die on the vine. But don't, don't most people say, I, I know how to talk, I know how to communicate. No. No, you'd be surprised at the number of people who know they're not good at this, but they don't know what to do with it. At getting it. their ideas into the hearts and minds, and minds of, of other, other people. Yes. So I'll tell you a story. You want your story? Yes, yes, very about much a, so. A client. Very, very much so. Okay, and I'll use his first name because nobody will ever know who he is. <laughs> Bob, a right, Bill. Right. His name is Mark, as a matter of fact, and Mark was brilliant. Mark had both a law degree and an accounting degree. He was a very, very, very smart guy, and he worked for a major accounting firm, one of the big four. So. I would just leave it at that. Okay, all right. In New York City? In New York City. Okay. Right. And, and um, Mark's boss got in touch with me um, to work with Mark because although he was brilliant, he was very difficult to work with. And people around him, his team, because again, in, in the business world, in the professional world, not bis just yes. business, just the professional world, Everybody's working in teams and groups, and you've got to be able to get the people below you on board. You've got to get the people who are your peers on board, and you have to get to the people above you on board. So all of that has to come together if you're going to move something forward. And that's what brilliant people are hired for, not just carrying out the orders of other people but coming up with their own solutions to problems, their own ideas, and then being able to move those projects into, into actuality. Well, wait a second. Now, okay. when, when people call you, yeah. is it the bosses that usually call you, mm -hmm. or is it the person it's both. that says, okay, I need 
mm-hmm. this skill. I need to be coached on this skill. It's, it's often both. Um, it's some of both, let me put it that way. In corporations, it tends to be the person above says, I've got this guy who works in my department or my division. He's really, really smart. He's really great. But, and then comes the, he doesn't listen. He can't communicate his ideas. He's dismissive of people. Nobody wants to work with him. Um, He has trouble getting people to come on board and so on. Okay. That's usually how it goes. They say he or she is worth putting money into to help them get their ideas into the hearts and minds of other people. Other people. Right, right. And those other people can be the people around them who work with them and then moving it to a client or to somebody else so that they can get that idea implemented um, for the profit of the company. Yes, they work for, the, for. for the profit right. of the company. So, um, okay. sometimes I have gotten individuals who will get in touch with me, and that's usually because they've expressed a need to somebody else, and that person says, oh, I know somebody who can help you, and it's usually word of mouth. And they express a need. Yes. In what way? They say, what? I, what? I freeze up in meetings. Oh. I absolutely freeze in a meeting. I have an idea, I come in all prepared, and then when the conversation turns to, okay, who's got a suggestion for whatever it is, I freeze, I can't articulate it, and then I walk out of the meeting frustrated and angry at myself, and I should have said Mm. whatever, and then I go back to my office, and I get angry at myself, and often I get depressed, Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. yes. And then I promise myself the next time I'm going to go into that meeting and I'm going to speak my mind and the same thing happens again. So that's not an uncommon phenomenon. So I can think of uh, two women who work for a major investment banking firm here in New York who got in touch with me privately. They paid me privately, not through the corporation, um, to work with them on having more presence and being able to be more confident and to express ideas, even if it's a a little bit, but not to let the moment go. And this is also a gender issue because the men take over the meeting and the women tend to be kind of, don't want to say anything. Still, these days? You'd be amazed. You'd be amazed. And confidence, a presence. Having executive presence. What do you do with them? Because you want them to work with you for just a little while, I suppose, Mm -hmm. for just a small amount of time. And then you want them to come out with more confidence. Mm -hmm. How do you, and more of a presence, when you say, I mean, I have a, a thousand questions. When you say presence, what are you referring to? Doesn't everybody have presence? No. <laughs> Gee whiz, not no. everybody. Has, no. No. What is presence? Okay. Presence, I think, is expressed largely through physicality, uh, the way you sit, oh. the way you hold your head, the way your eye contact, 
gesturing and movement of your hands. So let me just give you a very quick example. I'm thinking of one of these women that I was working with. And I said to her, let's do a little role playing and show me, uh, I'm going to toss a question at you. How would you typically respond if you were sitting in a, in a small meeting? And this is not stand-up delivering a speech. This is sitting around a conference table uh, at your weekly staff meeting or your monthly review meetings or whatever. And when she began to speak, she put her hands on her lap and she rolled her shoulders forward a little and she tucked her head down and she dropped her volume and her eye contact was quite furtive. And so that's how she spoke. So one of the things we worked on, and this is a very well-educated woman, and this is a woman with an impressive title in her company, and this is a major investment banking firm here in New York. I was really quite shocked. And we talked about sitting with your hands on the arms of chairs, putting your shoulders back, keeping your head up, maintaining eye contact and looking at people, gesturing, nodding, and so on. And also that when you speak, choose your moment, think about what you're going to say, and then say it. Rather than, um, I, I want to mention, um, I think I have an eye, well, maybe not, and you're going to think this is stupid and all that kind of self-deprecating. This is an interview also, mm -hmm. if you have interviews. Yes. But, but also, what you're talking about, right. exec, now, with these two ladies, did they call you? Yes. For, and presence, once again, is physicality. It is physicality, mm -hmm. and it's also a mindset. A mindset. Which and comes first, the mindset or the physicality? I think, I think for most people, the physicality is easier to do yes. because the mindset really starts getting into people's psyche. And why do I feel like I have nothing to say? Why do I feel like the men in this room are going to demean me if I offer this idea or suggestion? Uh, so that that's a much longer deep-seated process, something I don't like to get into too much. I'm not a therapist, and I don't particularly like to go there. I will mention certain things, but I don't like to spend a lot of time on that. Um, so the physical stuff is an easier one to work on, and I think that there is a feedback loop. Yes. So that when you start to show more presence and speak differently to people, they respond to you differently, and that does help build your confidence a bit. And then with more confidence comes more presence, and with more presence comes the feedback and more confidence, and so it goes, and so it goes. So I think it, it helps build confidence as you... The physicality helps build confidence. Absolutely, because the physicality projects a different image, people respond to that image, and then they give you a certain... Hey, that was a great idea in that meeting today, or... Even if they disagree with you, they will say things like, well, you raise a good point, but we tried that three years ago and it doesn't work. But at least you're recognized rather than being this little mousy person, I don't want to say anything, and people then disregard you and think that you don't have anything to contribute. Have you always been a teacher, a coach, a uh, having to do with 
finding someone's confidence and and presence. Have you have you when you were growing up? No. 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 And I myself am terribly shy. Are you really? <laughs> yes, terribly shy. Um, but I've learned how to put on the act and to some degree. What is it? You have to fake it till you make it? Isn't that the expression? Yes, yes. And again, you know, when you can affect the style of confident person, it doesn't so much matter what you feel inside, it's how you're acting, because nobody has x-ray vision. So nobody really knows how you feel. They only know how you act. And most of us believe that how you act is how you feel. Well, it isn't, but we believe it is. Wait, most of us think that it's the feeling first and then the action? Yes. But, but you're saying... It's the opposite. Oh, yes. It's the opposite. Wow. And a lot of actors and actresses and performers are very shy people, but they get on the stage and they know how to act. And again, sometimes you have to fake it till you make it. But if you act as though you are confident in what you're saying, it doesn't mean that you're right all the time, but that you have confidence in the merits of what you're saying, and then you're putting them out for other people to think about, rather than my way or the highway. But rather, here's a suggestion. I have an idea, and that good old I language, I want to suggest. I think this has merit. I think that this is an idea worth our examining. Um, I've tried this in the past, and it worked, and I think that it might be applicable to what we're trying to solve here in this organization, yes. this company, yes. whatever it is. And even if people shoot the idea down, at least they know that you've got ideas and that you're willing to share them with other people. Nobody's right all the time. And part of learning, I think, part of learning to survive in the big time is learning to take setbacks at times and to deal with that. So your ideas aren't always accepted. But that doesn't mean that you're a dummy or that you don't have things to contribute. It just means that particular idea might not be applicable. And sometimes it's for perfectly good reasons. Yes. That maybe you, hadn't, you weren't aware of all the configurations that would apply. How, how do you, <laughs> after you have the confidence to communicate, to express your, your ideas, how do you get that next step? It seems like your ideas into the hearts and minds of someone else to get them to, I always say, physically do something, to get them to do what you want them to do. Is there, once you know it's, it's movement and it's how you sit and how you use your eye contact, mm -hmm. then don't you have, and this is probably where your writing comes in, don't you also have to say, okay, how am I going to, this idea into the hearts of your listeners, someone else, mm -hmm. how do you get this into mm -hmm. their, their hearts? Well, I think some of that is knowing or sensing 
what is important to them. And that comes from good listening. And listening often between the lines. Um, you can hear someone's values. You can hear what they're talking about when they say, this is important, this matters, that won't work. It's, and, so, and you begin to get the sense of that person, what makes them tick, and what reward would be involved for them emotionally to, or psychologically, to accept an idea. I think another thing that I try to remind people of, you've got to give people time to think things over. And if you expect an answer right then and there, often people, when they don't know what to say, say no. Because When they don't know what to say, they say no. Yeah, yeah, a lot. Um, Say, what do you think about, um, I don't know, we all go out tonight and uh, go for Chinese food and do, and if the person just hasn't thought it through yet and doesn't really know what they want to do that night, mm -hmm. they'll say, oh, well, maybe that's a good idea, but you know, I really can't. It's just they need time to process. So often, putting out an idea but not asking people for an answer right away will in the long run get you what you want. Salespeople good ones know that listening and waiting yep no mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and use that mm -hmm. by saying well let me listen let me find out what they need what they want right and then let me wait and say you know don't answer me now mm -hmm. some of some of us who want to get married say Say that. Yeah. Uh, uh, don't don't say anything right now. Uh, will you marry me? Yeah. Uh, let me don't That's say anything. usually something you want a yes no to right away. I <laughs> right to, right when away. When the person says, "Let me think about yeah. that." <laughs> I don't know. This doesn't bode well. Okay, but I think in um, the professional world, yes, people need time to process things. And when you say, "Here's an idea," "Here's That's a suggestion," great, great "Here's a recommendation," whatever it is, let's give this some time you know, the dreaded committee, but maybe we need to look into this further. Let's bring this up at our next meeting. Um, what other issues do we have to examine before we're ready to move on this so that you bring people into the decision-making process rather than my way or the highway? Here's my idea, yes, no. People don't like that, and they're uncomfortable with it most of the time. Yes. So, again, giving people a chance to process, to think about, that also gives them a chance to come to you as, you know, you brought up an idea in the meeting last week. I've been thinking about it. But if we looked into and that way, they're brought in. And so at the next time the group has to decide, because most of those decisions are group decisions, where some people have to vote on something, mm -hmm. or recommend it to the boss or the manager. And so you can say then, well, you know, I brought up this uh, idea last month at our meeting, and in the meantime, Kerry came to me with some really good questions that he raised, and I looked into the... Mm. That is also very complimentary to somebody else in the meeting, mm -hmm. brings them on board, makes them feel a sense of ownership, um, so that it isn't just, I mean mine. Mm -hmm. I didn't finish telling you about Mark. Go. Oh, Mark. Oh, yes. So I told you Mark was really brilliant. But Mark was also 
extremely arrogant. And the first time I met Mark, I walked into his office, and there sat Mark with his hands behind his head and his feet up on the desk. Oh, really? A power yes. position, isn't yes. it? Yes, yes. Young guy. I think he was intimidated by the idea that he was going to have to work with, with a coach because his boss had recommended it. So he was showing me, you know, which I was singularly unimpressed with, by the way. <laughs> Mister, if you're that good at it, what am I doing here? Okay, uh -huh. so I knew right away he had all kinds of issues. And uh, the issue that was really identified with Mark was he didn't listen. Hmm. He was not a good listener. And he didn't listen to his clients. Again, he was in it. Um, um, I'm, I'm trying to not give away the name of the company. No, no. But I think I mentioned it was one of the big four yes. accounting firms. Right. So that kind of tells you. And they dealt with huge clients, huge corporate clients. But his boss was getting complaints from the client reps that Mark didn't listen. That Mark would go into a meeting and he was so sure he had the answer to everything that he didn't listen to the client, and this was becoming a real problem. And then clients were saying he may be brilliant, which he was, probably still is, brilliant, but he doesn't listen. Mm -hmm. So I talked to Mark a little bit with his feet up on the desk and his hands behind his head, and Mark was spouting all kinds of psychobabble stuff to me, which again did not impress me at all. And finally, he kind of paused, and then I said, Mark, that makes no sense, and that's absolute nonsense. And he was stunned. I don't think anybody had ever said that to him. And we talked, it just, you know, took, took it back a bit. Yes. I'm not going to sit there and play games with somebody who acts like he knows what he's doing. He didn't know what he was talking about. It was psychobabble, nonsense. So the first thing I did was politely called him on that. And I think I said something about in my experience, I've never heard of anything like that. This does not make sense to me, given my background in the field. Um, he knew I had a PhD, so I think that intimidated him a bit. Um, but um, the other thing I said to him is, what do you think is the problem here? Because it's important to ask that person. It's not just what his boss said, but what he thinks is the problem. And he said, well, he said, I think my listening skills are not that great. And I said, well, how do you know that? And he said, um, well, oh, and I'll, I'll show you something. He said, when I come home at night, he said, he has a four-year-old son, and now I'm going to reach over and touch your face right now. He said he would walk in the house and his son would say to him things like, Daddy, Daddy, like that. Ooh. Well, what is this child saying? Daddy, can I please hold your attention for a minute? So the child would hold, yes, hold his, his face, face in to, the child's hands yes. to and, get his father's right. attention, attention, to get, you know, get him to listen. And then Mark said to me, and my first wife told me <laughs> that, mm -hmm. also that I, I didn't listen well. So I said, okay, so we, we now have some, some feedback that says listening is your issue. And then Mark and I worked for quite a few weeks on listening skills, and I had him do drills and activities. What, and what's one? Uh, paraphrasing. To be able to listen to someone and then say, let me be sure I understand where you're coming from. Just that. Just that alone. And then to be able to say, what I'm hearing is 
you're concerned about blah, 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 blah. And if it turns out that that is not what the person was saying, they'll say, no, no, that wasn't what I was saying. We'll clear it up right then and there. You can solve that problem right then and there, rather than going off on a tangent you, about something that wasn't really what the person... You would give him phrases? Yes. Once again, such as... Let me make sure I know where you're coming from. Let me make sure I know where you're coming from. Or, I want to be sure I've got this. Okay, I want to be sure I've got or, this. Or, in okay. other words, what you're saying is... What you're saying is... Okay. And, and here's, here's something interesting, Carrie. A lot of times, people really don't have the language. They don't know how to say these things to other people. So sometimes what people I coach will ask me, how do I say that? What do I say? And so I will give them some phrases or some examples. What do you mean, what, what, what do I say? To another person. If to to connect with the other person. What do they say? Some examples. Well, those are some examples of paraphrasing. Right, right. yes. Um, <laughs> when we talk about what's called relational repair, you know, something didn't go well, you had a dust up with somebody, and God knows this happens in professional environments all the time. Something didn't go well, Something. somebody's annoyed, they're angry, or whatever, and you want to make it better. You don't want that to fester. You don't want those bad feelings to continue, because once they set in, if I'm angry at you, that everything you do annoys me. Yes, yes. And then I'm going to get angrier at you. And then... Even though we're not talking with each other. You're going to get angry at me. And then I'm going to get angry. And those things turn into World War III in offices. Or they turn into the second great ice age. What's I don't, I'm not sitting on a committee with that person. Or I don't talk to that. Second grade ice, ice age? age? Where we ice each other <laughs> out. Oh, you ice each other out. Right. So sometimes we've got to make it better. You just got to go into that person's office, <laughs> bring them a cup of coffee sometimes, and make it better. So it's called relational repair. And sometimes we have to say, I was wrong. And there's a lot of times people have trouble doing that. Uh, what comes to my mind right off, presidents or executives or, or lots of us can't admit Mm -hmm. I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. so some, is, there, uh, is there another way to connect other and say, get rid of that ice absolutely. age? Sometimes you can say, I thought about um, mm. our conversation of the other day, and I, I, it, I don't know about you, it's, it's bothered me, I've been upset, and I was out of line. That's, I like better than I was wrong. The wrong is so, so hard, you know. I was, I was out of line, or I don't think I handled that well. Or I was not at my best when we were talking yes. the other day. Notice you're putting it all on yourself without doing the, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. Because then the other person winds up having to console you. Yes. And sometimes that's not their job. And besides, if you're trying to make things better, don't lay it on them.
So it's, I was out of line. I don't think it was, I was at my best the other day. I didn't express myself well. This, this, I, this sounds like a relationship. Isn't that what we're it's, talking about? It, it sounds like a relationship with other people, but it sounds like a really close relationship but where you say, you know, you know, I wasn't myself that, that right. I was thinking about Or this I was very situation. frustrated and I think I let my frustration take over. And I, I should have calmed down. Uh, I really misspoke myself badly. I mean, you're, you're opening, you're acknowledging it without saying I'm an idiot or I'm stupid. That stuff is just silly talk to me because then they have, no, you're not. Yes, I am. You know, that's silly talk. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but if you can say, I didn't handle myself well or I don't think I um, was at my best in our meeting the other day or I wasn't feeling well and I let that get in the way or I was very frustrated when we were talking about such an, or I got caught off guard and I wasn't, I really wasn't prepared to answer you and I didn't think it through carefully. And I, I wanna see what we can do to move this forward. This has to do with connecting in someone's heart and mind, your ideas. To yeah. get past that, because this is an anger thing or whatever, a, yeah. a debate or that, but an anger that, and then getting past that right. with someone else. Right. Those because, are clues, yeah, tips. Because our professional relationships are still relationships. Mm. And if you can't work well with people, not a whole lot of good stuff is going to happen. Because then he's not telling me what to do. And I'll be damned if I... And you go into a meeting, oh, she's there? Oh, well, guess what? Mm. Anything she brings up, mm. I'm going to put the kibosh on, etc. Et so if you can resolve those things before mm -hmm. they get carried away. And also, I think another thing, people, when they're upset, talk to other people because they look for sympathy. Yes. So in an office environment, yes. if somebody dissed you, you're going to look for somebody who's going to listen to you. Do you know what she said to me in that meeting the other day? No. She said that to you? Well, you should go. And then you start yes. getting into camps and politics. And then if, mm. if you vote for her proposal, then you're uh, not in my group anymore. If you can get those out of the way so that you're dealing with issues and not the personalities, you have a much better chance successful at what you're trying to do. Dr. Posey, this takes time yes. and effort yes. to communicate well enough to, with your tips and suggestions that you just have given us, mm -hmm. to get into the hearts and minds of others. This takes effort. Yes. <laughs> you know. <noticed>. And <laughs> Yes, and, and, and time. Yeah. Oh, when people talk about effective communication and being able to do this from what we talked about in, in the very beginning, do most people have the ability but they don't have the skill because they don't know what words to use? Be communication isn't being formal. Mm -hmm. right. Right. Anybody can communicate effectively. No matter your education, 
Well, potentially. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. yeah. If they know what words to use, what words not to use, physicality of it. Because I don't care for when people say, well, I don't know how to communicate effectively. And they're thinking to give a presentation, to communicate in a relationship. They just haven't been coached on the use of words and meanings of the words rather than saying, rather than cursing an awful lot, <laughs> uh, which is uh, sometimes a, uh, a way that maybe blocks someone else if you're it's cursing. It's a red line. It's a red line. When in, in professional settings, when people in anger curse at each other. Now, let me back up for a moment. Sometimes yeah, we are talking about professional settings. Right. Sometimes, actually, cursing is a way of showing um, we're buddies. Mm-hmm. So if I say something like, you old son of a bitch, how the hell are you doing? That's a friendly thing, and you wouldn't be upset out. Yes. But in, when we're angry at one another and we start cursing, boy, that to me, for a lot of people, and not just me, is a red line. And so-and-so cursed at me, and so they've somehow overstepped a line. And now we're into World War III. If, if, if I communicate, because I, I like Gary Vendorchuk, he's um, a speaker out there now. He curses all the time. He's from New Jersey, and he curses all the time, but he's an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and doing quite well. And, but if you're cursing or you're name-calling from, can you do it from love? Yeah. From a connection? Absolutely. Hey, what you just did. Right, absolutely. So it's not necessarily the words, but it's behind the words. It's the tone. The it's t- the perceived uh, intent. Tone and perceived intent. You know, that when I just punched you on the arms yes. and so forth, you knew I wasn't being aggressive towards yes. you and I wasn't insulting you. In fact, I was being affectionate. Yes. Um, and so on. So, but if the person is cursing at you in anger, Yes. or in frustration, um, then we take it personally. And for many of us, that's, again, that's a line that somebody oversteps, and we want to then hit back at them. Mm-hmm. You can't say that to me. You call me that, I'm going to call you that. Yes. And then it escalates rapidly. It's, it's, it's not hate speech, but it's really close. I don't know. What, Maybe it is hate speech. Cursing is hate speech. What about if you, I didn't know whether I was going to bring this up or, or, or yeah. whatever, but now that it's here, what about if your boss is a person who likes to say things like, well, let's, uh, uh, you need to be locked up, or let's, uh, uh, Let's not really listen to you that much. Little phrases that might not make the, the person or other people feel good, but use it to get attention 
effective communicate, or you haven't done your job, mm-hmm. you're doing this and you're not doing it correctly, mm-hmm. to motivate you to do better work. Right, that, that hardly ever works. But Hardly <laughs> ever but works. I don't think that motivates people. I think it makes people frightened, and then they're going to pull back. And I think the response to that is, can you give me some examples? Because when a person says, you're not doing your job right, what does that mean? What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Is it that I'm not turning my work in on time? Is, am I not efficient? Am I not um, thorough? I mean, what does it mean? So if the person says, you're not doing your job right, and you better get your act together around here, young man, you know, or else. Okay? And if you, when you can recover from such a thing, if you can say to the boss, can you give me some specific examples? Or I wouldn't even use the words. Can you give me some examples of things that you feel I'm not meeting your expectations and your standards so that I can work on those things and focus on them? If a politician does that, mm-hmm. says, you're not doing that, you're, you're fired, mm-hmm. whatever, or t- how do you deal with that politician or professional or whatever who's communicating in such a, that way, how do you, how do you deal with that? How do you communicate back? Well, again, uh, first of all, <laughs> you may need to take some time out because you don't want to respond in anger. And when we're hurt, we become angry. And how dare you speak to me that way? Or what do you mean? Yes. Talking, you know, so... Um, thanking the person for their for their input and then seeing a day or two later when you and it may take that long when you've calmed down and talked it through with somebody else I've I've that's what have friends you, are have for you, have you ever been in that situation oh yes where a, a CEO a Absolute, chairperson yeah. whatever says something and says you're fired Yep. I've been fired. What, how did you communicate to move through that and come out on the other side confident, whole, feeling good about yourself? Well, if you're fired, there's not a whole lot you can do. I mean, you pack up your you know, desk and leave um, if they really mean you're fired. Um, but if they're just saying you're not doing a good job here or this report was terrible or they're criticizing you for a particular kind of work you've done or even your general performance but they haven't fired you yet, there I think you, you need to take more than, more than counting to ten. Uh, go home, cry, have a stiff drink, whatever it is that calms you. And if you can talk it over with somebody not in the office... Mm. And that's okay. where good friends, siblings, a spouse, a former coworker, can really come in and just vent and say, "Do you know what that person said to me?" And then when you can calm down yes. enough, request a follow-up appointment, and then it is. Then yeah. how do you go back in, and what do you say to? Uh, connect with the heart right. and the mind. Right. It, again, as you can 
as you can well imagine, I was extremely disturbed by our meeting the other day and the idea that I am not, notice all the eye language, I'm not living up, I'm not doing the kind of job you want. It's not, you spoke to me because mm. you is an attack word. Mm. And then that person is going to attack back. So it's, I was <laughs> extremely upset, as you can well imagine, after our meeting the other day. It was very disturbing to me. I do want to do the kind of job you expect. I do want to meet your expectations. And it would be very helpful to me if you could give me some examples of specific things that I can work on. And then the other, and so that usually opens up a conversation. See, that's not a yes, no. What can I do better? Nothing. You know. But rather, can you give me some examples of things where you felt that I was not meeting the standards that you had? It's kind of almost like giving, almost giving them the power again. Mm-hmm. Giving them the power, and then maybe they'll open up and tell you what they're now, feeling, listen, and then you can balance out. Right, right. Not everybody is going to be a wonderful person. Yes. And some people may simply say, I don't have time for this. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what's wrong, well, then go home, dust off your resume, yeah. and start okay. looking around, okay. because that's probably never going to work out. Yes. There are terrible bosses in this world. There are managers who don't have a clue about how to handle people or give them feedback. Yes. And that's another thing, mm-hmm. by the way, that I do coaching on is how to provide feedback to people so that that person can hear you and not just get defensive. Um, they can hear you. And one of the other things that we try to do is schedule follow-up after that. So let's say you're, you were the victim of the bad review. You two or three days later go in to ask to see the boss and you go have this conversation and then you could say to the boss will it be possible for me to meet with you in let's say six months to review because Mm -hmm. that will give me time to really try to meet the standards you've talked about Mm -hmm. Um, maybe six months is too long I don't the pacing of your company or your professional organization will dictate that. Some people want it sooner, some people later. And then could we meet again? And would, will it be okay if on my way out I ask your secretary or your admin if we can schedule, get something on your calendar for three months or not six months? How did, how did Mark work out? Mark worked out extremely well. Oh. And this is interesting. I came up with about 12 different listening techniques for Mark and um, I shared them and we went over them and we worked through them and Mark was so enamored with these techniques that he had them printed up on a Mm. laminated card um, that he put next to his telephone on his desk so that when the phone rang and he was going to talk to a client those ideas were right there Mm -hmm. and he liked them so much he had them printed up for everybody on his staff Mm -hmm. and actually called me to come in and do a little more training with his staff